welcome to today's episode of the Remember Your Power podcast. I am joined today by two lovely ladies on we are going to talk about potentially one of my favorite topics, definitely top three, if not the top. Um, It is all about root medicine, womb work, lower chakra work, that nervous system regulation, feeling safe in your body. Um, I like to just call it neurosomatics. Uh, It's part of obviously what I do as a womb energetics and neurosomatics practitioner, but really anchoring in us as women and the powerful medicine that we hold within. So I am joined by like I said, two, I would say experts in this field as well, uh, Danielle and Melissa. I want to give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. So Danielle, will you go first, please? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. I always love chatting with you. Um, Yeah. So I'm a nervous system coach. I'm a somatic trauma practitioner and a somatic educator for women. And so my work is focused on helping women uh, live as their authentic selves. So who are they beyond their triggers, beyond their core wounds, beyond their traumas. And so I'm helping women regulate their nervous systems. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get into what that means in this episode and how can they essentially feel themselves more fully and feel all of the emotions and the triggers coming up so that they can start to peel back what's behind that. And essentially that's a big part of the nervous system regulation is getting in tune with your felt sense, getting in tune with the soma, with the body, um, so that you're truly living your life on purpose. You're living it with purpose and you're not at the whims of your chronic stress or all the triggers or all the emotional wounds. Hmm. Yes. I love that. And just for our listeners, Danielle had an episode that we just released back about a a little over a month ago by the time this one airs and you're listening and um, we dive deeper into her story. So if you haven't checked that out yet, go back and check it out. Um, And also we have joining us today um, a new friend, but I absolutely love uh, the work that she does and everything I've seen and learned about her so far. So excited to introduce to you, uh, Melissa Sanger. Hi, thanks so much. Um, Yeah, I am passionate mainly about the womb and, and really at the core of my work is my passion of womb healing. Um, And alongside that journey is menstrual cycle healing and sexual healing and yeah I think something so magical and um, powerful happens when we move the energy of our generations before us of our maternal lineage we move the programs the patterns the beliefs the contractions all the things from our womb spaces to create a space of awakening and expansion and a womb-centered life. And you can't really do that without sexual awakening. In my opinion, they come hand in hand. And ultimately, my passion is to support women to feel liberated in their body, their creativity and themselves and their expression. Mm, I love that. I love that for sure. Um, And I think really when it comes to 
this work and, and even, you know, a lot of what me and you do, Melissa, with our womb space and, and the embodiment of the feminine and um, sexual healing, especially, it comes from a place where you feel safe in your body and working on that root and that like very core self and at the root, right? It, it stems the nervous system and it all you were saying, you know, your lineages and these programs and conditions that we have, that's all in our minds. Our subconscious carries that with us, which is the very feminine part of our mind. So um, I love how, and I just want to make this point to the listeners, it all intertwines, right? Like they are absolutely needed all in their own silos, but there's this beautiful golden thread that goes through each and every, um, you know, mind, body, energy piece. And then as women, we have that extra flare of the womb space within our body. Um, so ladies, I would love to just start this conversation about the importance of this work and how you found the passion and your purpose within it. Um, was it a personal experience? Maybe you witnessed something and, and, you know, we don't just go to college and say, I'm going to do nervous system regulation or womb healing work. Uh, there's usually a path that we have taken personally that has brought us here. I know for me it has. So um, with either of you like to, to begin and share that. Um, yeah, well, I just want to say, you know, I really honor what you're doing, Melissa, as, of course, you as well, Nicole, I think it's, um, it's so needed. And it's so, you know, this work with working with our sexuality and with our womb space, it's, um, you know, women have become so disconnected with themselves. And I know, you know, us three, you know, we're kind of in an echo chamber of this healing arts work, but for the general population, they've become very disconnected to their bodies. And, you know, that's what essentially what I'm working on with women is what is actual embodiment? Like what is, what is it to experientially know embodiment? And of course, part of that is a big part of that is connecting with their sexuality, connecting with what they feel. And in my work, it's kind of um, taking like a step kind of before that. And like, how do you feel safe enough in your body to feel the pleasure and to embody all the felt sense and all these aspects of you, all the emotions, which include the trauma. And for me, um, you know, a lot of it came about, I mean, I've, I've been in, I've been a yoga teacher for many years, a meditation teacher for many years, and I've been in the healing arts world my entire adult life, really. But when a big traumatic event happened, um, essentially with my daughter's birth, it was like all of my tools in my tool belt weren't quite hitting it to like heal what would end up being PTSD and, um, and postpartum anxiety. And that's when I found the nervous system work and I found the somatic work and realized that, and I see this a lot with my clients and that a lot of times in the healing arts, um, whether you're using plant medicines or whether you're doing meditations or whether um, you're doing Kundalini, 
sometimes what's happening is you're you're ascending but you're not embodied like you you are and it can feel so good because you're not actually in that felt sense of the uncomfortable stuff and so we can spend like so much time a lot of people that you know feel that they're spiritual or they're woke or on these paths of of you know they've gotten rid of all their shit but really it hasn't even been integrated really they're riding somewhere up here or riding somewhere out here they're not actually like in their bodies and um and so that you know that's now my purpose my mission is kind of merging and integrating all of the the esoteric aspects of the mindfulness work I use with my clients as well as the embodiment practices and how do we actually root this? How do we actually mm. get anchored in your root chakra in, um, in your body essentially. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of talk. You said like ascended and ascension. I've been focusing, I forget when I, did it initially, but I held a dissension ceremony and one of the journals I published while I was pregnant with my daughter in 2022 um, is called Finding Your Feminine Crown, right? It's taking that crown and moving it down to the root. And I think it's such an important aspect, especially as women to, to go into that descension before you can ultimately ascend. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I really agree. I'm so happy that we're having this conversation, especially around safety in the body, because as you're both speaking, I'm realizing my journey was about all the things, about yoga, about tantra, about uh, meditation, about medicine, plant medicine, but really all it was in the refinement was dissension into my body and dissension into the past of my body too. And that really encapsulates my my journey of healing. And it really started um, as I feel a lot of womb womb healers or womb guides or womb facilitators with my own womb trauma and the symptoms of my womb shouting, hey, listen to me. And I don't know why it has to be like that, but that's how it has to be. (laughs) (laughs) um sometimes it feels unfair to me but yeah I'm I'm reconciling with that that was my journey that I I had a really big like 10 year eating disorder and disassociation from my body um insomnia depression I was in and out of hospital with depression anxiety like really strong symptoms of Uh, root traumas that I I didn't have the language for and I didn't even have the language for trauma until I was until I went to my first yoga teacher training and I started to have language for my experience Um, and yeah when I was about 14 I, I lost my moon for one year because I was severely anorexic that was like the the top layer um, diagnosis but it was so much more it was yeah it took me on a long journey and and I got my moon back and then when I was about 18 I lost it for three years and in that um, 
in those three years during the first year. The first year I was like, okay, it's fine. I'm so disassociated, so divorced from my body and my femininity. Um, I really hated being a woman. I really, really disliked being a woman. And I was so happy that I was not having my bleed. Also because I had like such painful cramps that would have me in bed and it was a whole process. So I was happy for the first part. And then I started to feel in that first year, like a grief and a a longing for my moon. And ultimately that led me on a journey into um, my first yoga training in Ecuador, which was a tantra training of tantra yoga training and also of Kash- with the lineage of Kashmir Shaivism. And then part of the training was also shamanism and plant medicine and Temescal, sweat lodge and learning from indigenous um, medicine women of that land. And I had no idea what I was jumping into. Like I just felt it. I was still very much in my matrix mind, but I just felt the calling. And that was ultimately the beginning of, of a three-year womb healing journey in, in Latin America. And um now we understand that it was more about, yeah, healing my sexual trauma, healing um, my nervous system, ultimately, and learning how to feel safe in my body again. And that took me on the beautiful journey that arrived to today. And they say our menstrual cycles for women are a vital sign. So it's so, you know, intriguing that, you know, you you lost yours and it was a way for your body to say, hey, hey listen to me, something's going on, you know, even in the absence of it, it's speaking to you. And I think that's a big, big factor that we all miss in today's society is that our minds are so loud, right? Even if you're mindful and doing all of the practices, your minds are so loud. And then you're trying to silence the mind to get into that meditative mindfulness state, but never are we asked to listen to our body. I was um, fortunate enough to teach my first public yoga class last week, um, probably a few weeks now uh, that you guys are are listening to this, but in the recording. And I had 10 women join and I said, hey, all the intention we have for right now is to listen to our bodies because how many have you ever actually heard that before or have been asked to do that before? And no one raised their hand. They're like, no. And by the end of it, it was, oh my goodness. You know, and that was the constant reminder and the flow as we went through the classes. Okay. When you're leaning to this side, when you're stretching here, what is your body saying to you? How do you feel? What messages is it bringing up? And so many revelations to these women came. And like you said, I think Danielle, you know, we're in echo chambers, my social media, my communities, my sisterhoods are all these women who are on their journeys, whether they're just starting or very, very far into it, they're in this space already. They've had the light bulb go off. But when you go into these more public areas where it's new people and they're like, oh, I'm just trying to do a yoga class that, you know, I I saw and and I joined this gym and I want to be here. But like that revelation and just the aha moments on their on their faces when we were talking after it was really cool um so yeah listening to our bodies and like allowing us to hear them 
right? I always talk about the womb whispering. The womb doesn't scream. She whispers. But if you can really listen, she'll tell you all the answers. And that goes for ourselves. That goes for the wisdom of our our past generations and lineages and all of the things. But um, so, yeah. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to add in this point, it's, it's like, it's interesting how you say the womb whispers and it's like, it whispers until it doesn't, you know, and, and it's like, you know, now I have several friends who um, are having womb issues, you know, who are facing like potentials of like the very beginning of um, cervical cancer or uterine cancer or ovarian cancer. And I was reflecting a lot on this recently of just how much women have held so much shame and how even like our young girls and, you know, yeah, we may be in an echo chamber, but that echo chamber is so tiny and, and the world at large. So is in desperate need of this wisdom of listening to your body and particularly women, particularly young girls of healing this shame that we've been carrying. And now we know, even scientifically, we know epigenetics is a thing. We, we know that we can be carrying this lineage trauma. And just think about like the, the amount of trauma that women are holding just for being women and, mm. and for not being literally allowed to be in this synchronicity with our body for, you know, in some countries, even today, or some cultures, there's so much shame around bleeding around your moon time there's so much shame in that and how can we you know teach our little girls like that how incredible our bodies are how magnificent our bodies are and then and then when we can tune in and we can we can hear the whispers you know later on in life we're not going to have to hear like our womb shouting at us of like hey I've been trying to speak your entire life and you and you haven't been with me you know, you haven't been embodied with me. Yeah. I'm going to put a shameless plug in here. Um, as you were saying that I, Danielle, I think we talked about this maybe, but it is one of the inspirations I'm, I'm doing a project for a, a, I say children's book, but it's really like toddlers to teens, um, of women who, learn to love their bodies as they are love to un- and love and understand their cyclical nature like all of these things that I learned at 30 I want my daughter to learn at three like she's 14 months right now but like I am so charged to make it different for her and other women so I want you know to create this book this children's book maybe even a series but not in the typical sense, I want other daughters and other young girls to be the illustrators, to draw the depictions of what they think so that when another little girl is looking at it, she sees something in her mind and not like this, you know, I don't want to say super artistic, right? But like this more published produced thing where she still has maybe that disconnection. I want them to see this real raw, oh, it's okay and destigmatize it. So Look out for that, uh, hopefully like 2024 <laughs> for those of you listening with young daughters. But yeah, it, and it's, and that's, we have to change the way we parent, right? For those mamas listening out there or future mamas, 
you get to do things differently. We've walked this path and walked this journey and dealt with the traumas that we have in our lifetime or maybe have had passed down through us. But I say this a lot, um, specifically on having these conversations with women is we get to, we're the generation of cycle breakers. So no, we're not going to fix the entire world. It took a lot of generations to break it and be disconnected from it. But we're the generation that says, hey, it stops with us and we begin a different journey. So I'm ultimately very excited to be in that way and to see as my daughter and sons grow up and how they live in a reality that's just a little bit more shifted than what I was brought up in and then see how then they parent and shift a little bit more, you know, and that's ultimately how we're going to change the world. Yeah. And one of the questions that I get asked a lot in my work is, um, A, how can I support my children to have this harmonious relationship with themselves, with their body, sexuality, blood, relationships? And then the other one is often women asking me, how can I call in my partner to sacred sexuality, to their sexual awakening, to their self-development? And I really don't think in so many ways, the only way we can do that is through being the example. And like such effortless going on the journey until you can get to the point that you radiate that self-worth and you radiate your connection to your own blood, like being so in love with your own moon blood, being so, it's not going to be like every single day, it's always a spiral, but like radiating a sense of um, that embodiment and as to be the example, to be the beacon of it, because I really think that I, I feel some conflict with the idea of if my mother was my role model, she has a lot of eating disorders and a lot of anxiety and is very disembodied, has a lot of fear. Um, I don't know if I could have really stepped into what I wanted to be as a young woman, even if I received that book, I still needed somehow my mother to embody that for it to feel true, for it to be like, um, yeah, I don't know what the word is, but for it to feel true in in all of the sense of me that my role model is embodying that and I think that's really a beautiful place to start is like how we can become those women for the children for our community for our partners and and go from there really yeah I love that it's almost like the oxygen mask rule like you can't save or help anyone else without helping yourself first. So it starts here. And, you know, I always say this too, like you can't pour from an empty cup, right? So cliche, but really what you can do is by making yourself a priority, you fill yourself up to where you could overpour. And you, like you said, Melissa, like radiate the self-worth, radiate the way of being connected and listening to our bodies. And then that is just so obvious, even subconsciously to those around us, whether it be our children, our partners, our communities. But what happens so commonly, I don't want to say normal because it's not normal, but commonly in this society is 
we put ourselves so low on our priority list that we're just giving and giving and giving. And it's from a place of depletion or at least survival mode into depletion. And then the depression, the anxiety, all the trauma triggers like come up and, and thrust us into this healing journey rather than being taught from a young age, right? We didn't have that teaching from a young age to work in this way or put ourselves first in this way. So it's a unlearning and a rebecoming of that role model that we want for our, our daughters and our children. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, what I've seen in my work and just in, and being a mama as well is like children don't learn by what you're telling them. They learn by observing you. They learn everything by what, I mean, we see that, you know, for anybody listening, who's a parent, you can see that, you know, you watch your kid and you're like, Oh my God, that's so their dad. That's so me, or they're behaving in something. And it's not something you ever taught them. And that's where, you know, all this work that all three of us are doing is so vital, like in working on ourselves. And first, because you can't help regulate somebody else's nervous system. If you're dysregulated, like you first need to be embodied in your own body and know what that means of having a regulated nervous system. And when you have that, that's already going to ripple to your children. They're already going to feel that healing. They're going to feel that also to mention that, you know, we kind of inherit the nervous systems that our parents had when they conceived us. So the beauty is like, there's, there's this neuroplasticity. So when we start to rewire ourselves or we reprogram to where we are, you know, in tune with our internal sense or, you know, interoception, which is essentially being able to sense inside of yourself, like, these little girls or our daughters, you know, whoever we're a role model to, they're going to feel that and they're going to see that. And they're just going to kind of automatically start to embody that themselves. It's really, it's really amazing. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I love that. It's so true. My son just hurt himself for like the first time. I would say like not a huge major injury. Like there was no hospital or emergency room visit, but he was on the trampoline and he definitely like pulled the muscle or strained a muscle um, and just the way he reacted and like, let's be honest, kind of milked it. And like, was, it was more the fear of the pain than the pain itself. Right. Which is so common in our lives. But, you know, he called my mom on video chat and she's like, Nicole, it's like deja vu. That's how you were when you were younger, you know? So, and I saw it too, like reflecting back, like certain things he was saying, or just like the mannerisms he was doing. I was like, oh my gosh, how, how did he get that? You know? Um, but you, you know, it's so true. Um, so yeah, well, I really want to, you know, we talked a lot about the, what, the, why, so let's talk a little bit about the how. And obviously this could be probably another hour conversation and there's no one answer, but what I want to kind of end with for our listeners is what is maybe one or two action steps or first steps that they can take to get into feeling safe in their nervous system, feeling safe in, in their bodies. What 
you know, maybe practices or simple techniques do you guys do that you can offer? Obviously, and I'll put this here, if you guys want to work further or connect with Melissa and Danielle, their information will be in the show notes. So you can connect with them, see what they do, visit their websites and their socials and really see the beautiful medicine um, and healing work that they have and I offer to this world. But before they do that, tell us, you know, like I said, one or two things that they could do now. I have so many. <laughs> like, how do I decide? I know. I told you we could be a whole next hour conversation for sure. Um, yeah, I think the way that I, I regulate my nervous system, I want to share two things. I'm super, super passionate about body work and massage. And uh, I'm a body worker and I have, I don't think I've coined it. I've seen other people with this, but I go by ceremonial devotional body work. And it's a mixture between breath work, energy work, uh, intuitive, even coaching in the moment if it's necessary. But it's like, yeah, deep listening process. And uh, releasing emotions, releasing physical tension, releasing even past, um, I don't know, parts of the nervous system that are that are incoherent, that are not harmonized or memories. And the one of the most powerful ways that I, when I feel like, for example, I have a new puppy and, and a few months ago, she was just like a little Tasmanian devil. And I just couldn't regulate myself. She was always jumping and biting and it was a lot for me. And at that point it's like, okay, I sometimes even the breath, I can't catch. <laughs> so I booked in to do body work and with my intention to like unravel my nervous system, reset my nervous system. For me, holistic body work is very different from like a hotel massage vibe where it's um, it's not connecting with your spirit, your breath, your emotions, your energy. But if you can find or send out the message to life, to, to the universe, or even connect with me, I, I've trained women in different parts of the world now in, in, in body work, in womb massage, in yoni massage, um, to have that like as a resource. Um, I try and have body work at least twice a month and if I can one and a half hours if I can two hours and for me that's like my routine reset of like releasing the emotions of my body and if you can find and access and it's always possible someone that can support you in that way I think that's a beautiful outsource um, because sometimes I think the nervous and someone that you feel safe with that holds like a a grounded, safe, earthy energy that can really hold you in that space because the nervous system can respond to that safety and that the space holder, the misuse, the body worker, they set the tone also for your nervous system healing. So that's my first one. And then the second one's a bit more intense. 
Um, I'm really, really big. I mean, there are simple ones you can say like to breathe and do some pranayama or do some simple breath work. But for me also, um, something that's so powerful is like to feel into my emotions and to feel into my body as I feel triggered. So something that might dysregulate your nervous system is usually a trigger or an ongoing trigger. So to go into my body, we're talking about like, yeah, descending into the body and feeling your body and feel where do I feel this in my body? Often I feel anxiety in my heart and in my chest and I feel like contraction and sometimes like a sharp pain and like to notice the sensations. What do I feel um, in descriptive words? And then to breathe with that. And actually, I like to sound with that. So maybe to breathe and sound and bring alchemy, bring consciousness to that. And a big part of my practice is also like sounding and um, and rage release. So in mm. some moments, the way that I reset my nervous system is to sound and groan and um, sigh and tantrum and whatever else that needs to happen in the moment. But for me and how I've been taught, even in like the uh, the teachings of somatic experiencing is to like feel the sensations in your body and then give them an expression so that they can have a release that they can have um yeah that they can leave the body through through sound and that helps really complete the stress cycle or a mini stress cycle in the moment and so in a way you could maybe that sounds like super far out from what you're doing right now but I think it's been one of the most transformational practices that I have in my toolbox that self sources. Like the first one was outsourcing. The second one is like how, and you can try two things. You can try to embody it and feel it and feel the sensations. A big part of that is accepting it first, like real deep acceptance for this is what's happening. This is my experience. And then you can even just start to make some sighing sounds to breathe into that space with your consciousness, your breath, and just sigh like, ah. and that can be a really good starting point. If you feel inspired, I highly encourage you to start sounding and giving that expression or that uh, the sensation and expression. If it leads into hitting your pillows, if it leans, if it leads into screaming into your pillow, if it leans leads into shaking like that's really another layer of listening to the body how does this want to be expressed and and alchemized and letting your body show you um so you can take it to that step or you can just start with the simple sighing and breathing until it feels that this the energy has shifted and that you feel like you've descended into the body and listened to it um, and if you do go into the more rage release or the screaming or the into the pillow or movement, just close that with like some simple slow breaths and like a little bit of a um, a gentle slow breathing to come back to your body and and um, to this moment. So those are the two practices that randomly came to my mind. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. That definitely gave, I think, our listeners a really good 
depiction of of how and and to start. Um, and it also gave me an idea. I do some bonus episodes every so often with like some more tangible practices and things. So uh, look out if you're listening for one of those bonus episodes coming up that will kind of just support you and walk you through something similar to what Melissa was saying. I do something called sensory breath work, which essentially is all the same, adding into sounds and feelings and touch into the breathing. So Danielle, what about you? Yeah, I would say one of one of the primary tools that I give my clients is, um, and it would be, you know, too much to go into with the time we have, but it's an orientation practice. So it's orienting. Um, and by orienting, it's like you're orienting your nervous system to your environment. Um, so essentially to make it very simple, like nervous system dysregulation is you're feeling unsafe and your nervous system is too overwhelmed or there's been chronically, it's been overwhelmed where it can't regulate back to homeostasis, back to a place of rest. So it's stuck in like a fight or a flight or a freeze. Um, And so to keep it really simple in orienting, we're wanting to signal to ourselves that we're safe. And so I suggest that people practice the orienting regularly so that if there ever comes a moment where they're feeling really anxious or maybe even panicky or really overwhelmed or even depressed, they can come back to a practice that they've established. And essentially what it is, is is you're pausing, getting quiet, having your feet on the ground, Eventually you can work to where you're doing it, walking or something like that, but to start just being still and you start to orient to your five senses. So you're going to orient with what do you feel? And you're going to drop into that, that sense of feeling. And then you're going to orient to what do you hear? And you're going to orient your nervous system to every sound you're hearing near or far away. Then you're going to move on to sight and so on. And what's that doing? It's doing is it's it's signaling like you're safe. Like here I am in this moment and I'm exploratorily orienting. Because if you think about an animal in the wild, when they're scared, when they're under threat, they're going to be defensively orienting. They're orienting to like there's a threat, there's a danger. So they're going to be like tunnel vision staring straight ahead but when they are not stressed when they're not under threat they're going to be orienting with their five senses same thing that humans have always done it's just that we've kind of we've lost a lot we've lost major touch to our natural selves and our natural environment so that's one the first thing that i would suggest is develop a very simple orienting practice and the second one i would suggest is very similar to what melissa is explaining and simply slowing down and dropping in and feeling. Um, And this can seem very uh, simplistic, but it's not, it's simple, but it's not simplistic. And for some people it can feel really overwhelming because we are generally in our society, we are so disconnected. And oftentimes we don't wanna drop in and feel because that's where the pain is. That's where the wound is. That's where the discomfort is. So I suggest the same thing with orienting is 
develop like a little practice, even just a few minutes every day of pausing and feeling in so that if there is a moment that's a lot of high stress or you're dealing with some really tough emotions, it's easier for you to feel in. So I always tell my clients, like, you know, if you do these practices, shit won't hit the fan. Like we, we oftentimes we're like, oh, let's hit our practices when shit is hitting the fan. But if you would start to develop regular practices, you could prevent it from hitting the fan in the first place. So like dropping in, slowing down, feeling much of the same things Melissa was explaining, but starting to just do it for a few minutes every day. And, and you're going to like build up this, this bigger embodiment relationship to yourself and you're going to better be able to feel when the feeling feels a little bit more tough to do so yeah so Mm. those suggestions beautiful well thank you to add one more if that's okay yeah yeah I feel like the ones I shared the second one was a bit more intense (laughs) I'd love to share like a little simple one that's helped me a lot um, is actually just to close your eyes. In, and also, as Danielle said, sometimes this can feel inaccessible in those moments, but to just close your eyes and think of a time and a place that you felt safe. And just to feel, for example, for me, it's like my house in Mexico, something, so it's like a sanctuary for me where I live there. And, and then to feel in my body, where do I feel that safety? For me, it's in my heart. I feel that embodiment of that safety, the sensation of safety in my heart. And even if it's like a teeny little um, one centimeter by one centimeter sensation, just to breathe into that and allow, if you can, allow it to expand with your breath. And if you feel that you get distracted, just come back, take your mind take your vision to that place, feel your safety, feel that experience of safety. And when I guide this often in, in with my clients or in trainings, most people say to me that this is the first time they've ever felt safety mm. in their body. And it's so simple, but so accessible and so beautiful and, um, and easy to access in, in any moment. So that's the last one that I love to share. I love that. It's uh, in in um, the neurosomatics class I teach. It sounds very similar to anchoring, right? Like going back to a previous time that you felt a certain state, right? Because states are something that we can access at any moment. It's something that we could shift in any moment. So I think that's a beautiful reminder too. I talk about this a lot on the Remember Your Power podcast. It's a lot of remembering how much power we hold within our bodies, how much capability we have, and how much potential we have all within ourselves. And there may be people out there that have never felt safe ever in their entire lives, and I honor those journeys but for I would say majority there is at some point a time in our life where we have felt safe the embrace of a loved one of our mothers or you know a sanctuary space of a healing retreat or something and being able to access and go to that place and feel what you felt see what you saw hear what you heard just bringing that back into your body 
is such a crucial way to regulate. So I think that, thank you. I think that's a beautiful place to end. And I said it earlier, but I will say it again. And also I'm throwing this out there that I think the three of us need to like do some crazy in-person collaboration because it will just be absolutely magical. Um, So uh, I'm putting that out there to the universe, but um, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Melissa and Danielle for being here and sharing your medicine, sharing your wisdom. And until next time, I'm going to remind you to remember your power. Thank you, ladies. Thank you.